Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. Well, good morning. You guys doing well? Awesome. I, um, you know, I've been on this, this journey for the last couple of weeks, and I've sort of invited you into it with me. And this idea, I've been asking myself for so many years, as I've been walking with people, I've had coffee talks, um, I've been walking with Jesus um, for a while, and I, I took it really serious, I would say, when I was about 18, 19 years old. And from that point until where I'm at today, I've had many moments where I could sit down and talk to people about Jesus, where I am sort of getting poured into and where I have been doing the pouring as well. And I've, I've noticed something along the journey that I will usually go back to in scripture and ask God, hey, help me with this, help me process this, help me grow in this. And really it's this idea of transformation. How does one become transformed? How does one change from who they are now to someone that they hope to be, desire to be, want to be in the future? A better question is, who do you want to become? Have you asked yourself that question? Instead of saying, oh, what job do I want? What career path do I want to take myself in? What school should I go to? What degree or, um, or university should I pursue? Should I do psychology or history? Like, what should I do? Those are phenomenal questions for different seasons of life. You know, how, how do I parent my children well? How do I love my, my wife? Or how do I love my husband well? How, how do I take care of my season and do it well? How, and for others, how do I now give up parenting because they're older and stop being so controlling because they're not six years anymore? How do I give that up and how do I love and honor and sort of mentor my children? Like so many different phases of life, right? And for me, as I've walked with Jesus, I begin to get, if I can confess, a little bit frustrated with people when it's like, I want Jesus, I want this transformation. But, like, their lives don't add up to that. And so the question that I asked myself even to this day and that I would challenge you to ask yourself is, who am I becoming? Who are you becoming? With the way that you talk, the conversations you have, your view of God, your view of others, your view of the future, your view of finances, of sexuality, your view of culture, your view of Hollywood, like it's just overwhelming. What is your view on these things? And your view, your mind, your processings, your processes in your brain will eventually show like how you live that out in your body. Does that make sense? And so I like to say, we talk about this, you know, we, we have like a discipleship sort of track that we take people through. One of the things we talk about is, you know, you're your outer layer is your body, what you do out here, that has an effect of your mind, but your mind affects that, but then there's one layer closer and deeper, and it's your heart, right? It's what you believe. It's where spirit begot spirit. It's where God speaks to your soul. And so I've been thinking about like transformation and change and what that looks like. So if you've missed the last two weeks, here's sort of an overview. You guys okay with just a quick overview? All right, so the first is we must learn as disciples of Jesus not to conform to this world, this is Romans 12, but be transformed. 
Again, how are we transformed? Well, step one, Paul would say in Romans 12, is to renew your mind, right? Renew your mind. Then, now that we are renewed or becoming renewed or being renewed, how are we to live as people of Jesus? We discovered that the prerequisite to living with others is to first understand love, not love in the sense of what the culture says about love, but what God says about love. And that comes from both that we are loved by God and then that we must be a people who love others like God loves others. Does that make sense? So that's just kind of like an overview recap. And um, if you have your Bibles, just really quickly turn to Romans 12. I'm going to be reading from Romans chapter 8. But just really quickly, I just want to show you something. It says, therefore, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and, which is holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Here it is. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transformed um, is the word in Greek, if you date it all the way back, the like etymology of the name, right? So today we say transformed. Well, what was the original text? It was in Greek in that time, and that Greek word was metamorphosis, right? Where we get the word, you know, like a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. <laughs> there is like a, a transformation. There's a metamorphosis that takes place. And we could all agree that is sort of the story of life. Whether you're consciously aware of it or not, you are going through a transformation for better or for worse. Your life, if you look down the road 20 years, 30 years, 40 years down, if you're conscious of it, you'll make Good decisions, better decisions, wiser decisions based off the person you want to, quote, become, correct? If you're not aware of that, you're just going to, like, aimlessly be going. Well, both routes, you're being transformed. Both routes. Either into a person of love that's gracious and peaceful and hopefully through the way of Jesus where he transformed you from, from the inside out. Or you just go and you're transformed by the world and the culture and Hollywood, and that is where he says, don't be, don't conform to this world, okay? Here's the danger, friend, all right? I just want to lay, lay this out. If you're a disciple of Jesus, if you have been following Jesus for any amount of time, if you're still not consciously aware of the decisions, the, the, the values, the word of God, the renewal, you can still go the wrong path and become a person of hate. And still say, I'm a disciple of Jesus, I'm a Christian. I don't know about you, but have you met Christians that are, hate, that are hateful? Yeah. I sure have, and they make me very uncomfortable. <laughs> I have to kind of like just hold my tongue, right? As James says, because I just get so uncomfortable with people who claim Christ, but who do not show love. Right? So... Today, I want to make clear that if we just focus on the renewal of our minds, we get halfway there. I love um, intellect. I love learning. I love even knowledge. I love to study. I love university. I've gotten my undergrad, and I love that season. It was expensive, right? I'm still in debt to that. <laughs> And at the same time, I, I continue to go on because I wanted to continue to learn and to know and to develop and to grow. And so I went on to get my master's. And all of that's great, awesome, awesome. But 
If I'm just focused on here knowledge and it doesn't transform my body, my being, my actions, my decisions, then what good is it? We are not just brains with legs on them. I say that to the intellectual individual that may be in the room. Because I love them. I love those who want to debate and have great conversation and really like study and go in depth. I actually find joy with talking to someone. I have to know that's where they're at because it could come off as like, dang man, you just want to criticize and, and like defend and argue. No, often a deep intellectual like just likes to process deep things. So I need to know that. But I still would say, heat of warning, friend, we are not just brains that have legs on them. It's not, as a psychologist will say, some do, I think, therefore I am. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but that's a thing. The way that I think is who I am. Now, there's a half truth to that, right? But it's not the full truth. If that were the case, let me just debunk that for a moment. For those who are married in the room, and the reason I say that is because you have been with someone you're your own individual, you join in with them, you get married, the scripture says two become one flesh, but you're still your own individual person, well, eventually they're going to like bother you, let's just be honest. You're going to get upset some way, somehow. They're going to do something you wouldn't want normally to be done, and so there's a bit of rubbing and tension and friction. That's why Paul in Ephesians describes God, Jesus, the head of the church, with his bride as a community, and Paul says, ah, oh, it's, it's like marriage. How God, Jesus is, to his bride, is a beautiful community. We ought to be in community like that, like a married couple is. Does that make sense? Because the more we're like that, we start to realize very quickly, oh, um, I, I have some issues. And you're like single, you're like, I don't really have any issues. And then you get married, and then you realize you got a lot of issues. No one was just courageous enough to call you out. <laughs> and so we discover that if it were just, I think, therefore, I am, and if you're in a rocky marriage, so to speak, well, if that's the case, just watch a really good YouTube video on marriage. Just read a really good, robust, intellectual book that gives you step one to ten on how to fix your marriage. If that were the case, I think, therefore, I am. I should be good, right? Not necessarily like that's not even reality. Could we all agree that that's not very helpful? Now, there's things I learn. There's things I learn. Great, great. Intellect, knowledge, renew my mind. But unless I do something with that, it really is just knowledge up there, right? You have the knowledge, so now you're good. Awesome. Boom. It's great. Well, if that were the case, here's another one. We would just have to try really, 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 really hard, or in other words, white knuckle our way through life because I have the knowledge, so because this is the knowledge, I just got to do this. Well, God says that I shouldn't have sex, right, outside of marriage, well, I, oh gosh, that's just so hard. I'm just going to white knuckle it and try. That's the knowledge. And so I just white knuckle it all the way through. And it's like, how's that going for you? If you're struggling with like sexual sin or if you're struggling with pornography or if you're struggling with lust 
Or if you're struggling with material things and you just buy everything, right? I don't know. Whatever that is for you. Or you struggle with gossip or you struggle with anything that sin could have some destruction on in your life, we all at some degree will struggle with. Now, if I'm not careful, I'll just say, well, it's knowledge. Well, the knowledge isn't working, so just white-knuckle it, Sam. Come on. And then the question is, how is that working for you? It's not working very well. Maybe could for a little time, but then we crack, and then we get broken, and then we feel the sin, and then we feel the guilt, and then the lies emerge, and then we're just back at square one. There must be another way. And there is. There's good news. Instead, watch this. We are transformed by teaching, yes, but most importantly, in partnership with the Spirit of God. That is how we're transformed in its fullness. Okay? So step one. I'm just, this is all Romans. This is all scripture. This is all Bible. Step one. How am I transformed? I ought to renew my mind. I love this, this psychology because it shows us there's a, a lot of neural pathways that could be kind of messed up. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. If you were to close your eyes and think of dad, your brain, it's called, uh, it's called mind mapping, your brain will go straight to dad and what you view of dad and what happened with dad and the hurt that could have come with dad or the, the great stuff that could have come with dad. And that actually, did you know, affects your relationship with your father in heaven. So there's a bit of understanding that, oh, okay, there's, my mind has to be, so the spirit of God needs to renew that and heal that. Are you with me there? Now, I have to like allow my mind to be transformed by the renewal of, 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 of God, by the renewal of the spirit within me, but by the renewal of my mind. And so primary way of doing that, okay, is, is this right here, this book. It's the scripture. It's the good news. I believe that it does not come with fault. I believe that. I believe that it's a historical book, but it's so much more than that. It is the living word of God. I believe it's an organism. I believe that when you open this book up and your heart is right towards God and you want to learn and you want to grow, I believe that when you begin to digest this and, and read it, that it will read you and call you out. I believe that it will offend you because it offends me, but it challenges me. It shows me the goodness as we sang the song, the holiness of God. It shows me there's a new way. There's another way. There's a better way. There is, quote, the way. And so my mind must be renewed by this word. Are you with me on that? I also believe that as a subcategory, there's nothing wrong with um, you know, different podcasts that are healthy and biblical. There's nothing wrong with, you know, watching sermons on, on YouTube, right? Like what you're doing now is, quote, listening to teaching. So all of these things help you renew your mind, but if it just stops there, good luck. So it's the Spirit of God that we must partner with that actually helps us move forward. So if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 8, I'm going to read this through, verses 1 to, 11, um, to 14. I'm sorry, 15, okay? Let's read it. 
It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Because through Christ, Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in the flesh. Notice, Paul's going to use a lot of language of flesh and spirit, flesh and spirit. Verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law may be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds, okay? If you're in the flesh, you're going to have your mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, with the Spirit of God, you'll have your mind set on what the Spirit desires. So the mind that's governed, that's sort of... Um, sort of in bondage to, that's kind of trapped, right? That's ran by. The mind ran by the flesh is death. And it might not be like physical death here and now, but it's like a progressive, growing pain. You lose friends. You're not a lovable person. You become lonely. You're dying here on earth. But the mind that's governed, that's ruled, that's ran by the Spirit is life and peace. I don't know about you, but if I have to choose between life and peace and death, I'm going life and peace every time. <laughs> the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm. Paul is assuming, again, Paul's writing to the Romans so he's speaking to Romans, and we get to be a part of the conversation, and he's speaking to us because we are, for the most part, if you're in the room, disciples, followers of Jesus. So he says, you, church, are in the realm, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then you then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who walked, who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. Verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, with all that I've said, Paul says, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh because that's death. The obligation is to live according to the spirit and to put to death the misdeeds of the body. And if you do that, you will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. So when you're enslaved and in bondage, one of the ramifications is fear. You live in fear. You walk in fear. You make decisions based out of fear. That is not in connection with the leading, the guiding of the Spirit of God. So if that's the case, we could be in the room and say, well, I'm a disciple of Jesus and I sort of walk in fear. Okay, metamorphosis, walk in transformation towards Christ. Get the teaching. Now allow the teaching to shift and change through habit, through showing up on a regular daily basis God, change my mind. God, fix my fear. God, get rid of this anxiety. Let me walk in peace with you. 
And then verse 15, the spirit you received, I said this, doesn't make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. So all of that to say, what I want to talk to you today about, and it's not a long talk, but it's just, it's a very straightforward, this is what this is about kind of talk. It's that we should live in the realm of the spirit. That's my conversation. That's my challenge to you. And here's the danger again, friend. Just brutally honest. You can be, quote, in the room or out of the room or listening or myself 20 years down the road and claim Christ-likeness and read the scripture and have it memorized and it be all mine, yes. But until you let it actually play out in your body and life and habit and showing up to God, the transformation will be very little and it won't be the way you would like it to be. Does that make sense? So that's the danger. That's the heat of warning. So for me, as a pastor, take away the pastoral hat for a moment. I am just a human being that's a disciple of Jesus. I need to take on some more habits that are in a line to the way of God. Like I said this a couple weeks ago, and this is like my challenge, so maybe we can all be challenged together. When you wake up in the morning, do you like open your phone up first thing? If you do, like, ah, I'm with you, that's, that's terrifying. I do that sometimes. Can I confess that? Who else does it? You don't, oh, oh, there you go, Eric. Eric's honest. <laughs> that, over 20 years, what does that do to us? Instead, you know what my conviction has been through the Spirit? I just, I'm just going to be honest. I share this um, in our men's crew, our workout crew with some of the guys. I, I, uh, I want to spend more time with Jesus in the morning specifically in the morning. Maybe because that's what Jesus did, but I want to be like Jesus. He's my rabbi. And the Bible says he would get up very early in the morning, he would get away, and he would pray to the Father. But I want that to be every single day of my life. What a challenge. In a couple of months, I really want to do this. You know how we do the 21 days of prayer and fasting? I want to do seven-day challenge. Wake up every day before your children or kids in work and talk to God for at least 30 minutes. Could you imagine if we did that every single day for 20, 30, 40, 50 years? I promise you that man or woman in the future will look way different. They will be a person that is at peace. And so if you're like with me on the journey, then we need to like shift that it's not just I read, now I'm good, but I read, now let this like get in my body and change the way I do things. Change the way I talk to you or even talk to myself. Change the way that I commune with one another. This should change the way I think about everything because I want to be transformed into Christ. So in this briefly, the spirit is described as the, the spirit or the Holy Spirit or the spirit of God or the spirit of Jesus in the New Testament. And it's all talking about God's personal presence. Because remember, how do you be transformed? Renewal of the mind, teaching the word of God. And then we have to learn to be a person of love and walk it out. But I would propose via scripture, via Romans, via Paul, even looking at Jesus, the way we do that is through, to be energized, to sort of have a wind behind you from the Spirit of God that is both working in and through your life. So it's all about God's personal presence. In the New Testament, just like the Old Testament, 
But more clearly in the New Testament, it's a distinct personal presence. What do you mean, Sammy? Theologically, the Spirit of God is distinct. He is different, but still the same. Let that rattle your mind. So he's the Father. I serve, this is the triune God, the Father, the Son. But a lot of times we forget about the Spirit. What I have seen in scripture, read Matthew, read the gospel, read the biography of Jesus. When you look at his life, he was led by a person that was the spirit of God. And he was in relationship with his father, speaking to, talking to, but the scripture says he was empowered by the spirit. So I don't know about you, but like, I'm not Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I'm not quite there yet. But if Jesus was led by the Spirit, how much more do you and I need to be led by the Spirit? The Gospel of Luke highlights it more than any other. It is that it's in his ministry in Galilee announcing the kingdom. Luke mentions multiple times that Jesus was led by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. He was appointed to do his kingdom mission by the leading and empowering of the Spirit. So just briefly, I want to explain all of that. To remind you, and I, myself, that Jesus walked and was led by the Holy Spirit. Can we be all on the same page on that, theologically? Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit, so I think I should as well. He lived in, quote, the realm of the Spirit. Not just in the realm, not at all in the realm of the flesh. So, in your marriage, in your singleness, in your studies at university, are you being led by your desires? Well, friend, if you're being led by your desires, then you're being led by the flesh. Are you being led by the Spirit, which I promise you will be so contrary to the majority of people in your life? If you are being led by the Spirit, then God will begin to do a work in you, and you will become a person of peace and love. That's what the Scripture says. So spiritual formation happens when we align our thoughts with reality. Remember, renew your mind. It is by the spirit and truth that we're transformed into the image. So notice, truth, renewal of the word of God, truth. But it's also by the spirit that we're transformed into the image of Jesus and set free to live in line with all that is good, beautiful, and true. Are you with me? I know this is a bit dense, but like we got to get this understanding very, very quickly. Because too often, Again, I sit down, let's have coffee, man. I want to talk about Jesus with you. Let's do it. Tell me your story. Oh, I've been walking with Jesus for like 15, 20 years. Beautiful. That's so awesome. Well, pastor, we don't pray enough. Well, pastor, you need to have more prayer. You need to have prayer here and prayer there and prayer here. And I'm like, yes, okay, we'll, we'll work on that. Sorry. And then we're talking and then you're cussing. And then we're talking, and then you're living a different lifestyle. And then we're talking, and I'm like, oh, hey, hey hold, hold on a second. The spirit of God and truth must transform our lives so we can pray more. I will pray more. We ought to pray more, but let that prayer transform you through the spirit of God. Come and get prayer. Get challenged. Let our elders pray for you. But every, like, sometimes I want to be like, oh, and by the way, thank you for like, telling me about your prayer. You're challenged to go do something different now. Because, again, if we're doing that, then we're just renewing our mind. We're feeling good. Nothing wrong with that. Let it transform your actual body to move forward. Stop getting up, like stop reading your phone, looking at all your stuff first thing in the morning. Let's start there. 
Stop watching pornography. Let's start there. Stop sleeping around before you're married. Let's start there. Like, like let's, 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 let's be the person then that the Bible says we ought to be. And then I promise you, you will live in peace. You'll feel transformed. There will be something different about you. There will be a cadence. And I'm so sorry. This is the struggle. You will not be conformed then by the world because that's what the world wants for you. Can I go deeper? That's what the devil or Jesus would say the father of lies would want for you. Oh, friend. Oh, hey, come on, man. Let's get some Jesus. Yeah. Sunday service. Worship, oh yeah, but hey, it's two o'clock in the morning, come with me. Let's watch some porn together. Hey, hey, come, come with me. You know you're like, you're kind of like not sure about this and that. Ah, Sam, come on. You went to church, you're all right. You got life insurance. But watch this. This is what the enemy doesn't want you to know. You will be renewed in your mind that way. And you do it over and over, and over, and over, and over, and over, and over again, but you're still a, a follower of Jesus, but you're not walking the way of Jesus. So you do it over, and over, and over, and over again. That lie becomes a truth. That's why Jesus said to the Pharisees, you belong, you're a liar, you belong to the father of lies. And when he speaks, he lies. That's his native language. So there's lie in there too. And I just want to be, like, I, I'm speaking to myself here, friend, honestly. But, like, if I want to be transformed, I will not be conformed to the culture. I just won't do it. I want to be a loving presence when I'm around anybody. And if I'm not, you have the right to call me out. Please call me out. I make that an effort in my life. If I say something off, if I do something wrong, if my character is off, please call me out. I need that in my life. I am not perfect, are you? But if I am not spending time with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you'll know my fruits. That's what, that's what the scripture says. We'll know each other by our fruits. So, all right, God, I need that transformation. And he says, oh, come and follow me. It's a long journey. You'll probably fall a couple times. That's all right. We're going to keep moving forward, but don't forget, all of this is empowered by the Spirit of God. It's not all on you. It shouldn't even be on you, which, by the way, please don't mishear me. This, what I'm talking about, is not to get salvation. Wrong. You're already claimed. You're already saved. You're sealed, not by anything you did or haven't done, but because of your faith in Christ, and now you begin to walk it out. You don't have to, like, do, 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 do to achieve. Does that make sense? If that were the case, we would be a different religion because all other religions are working really, really hard to appease God. Wrong. Just because who I am. Father, I love you. Son, I love you too. Let's get to work. This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. So, you don't work for salvation. Now that you're saved, I said this like a hundred times, I'll just keep saying it. Now that you're saved, it's time to get to work. Be renewed. Don't let the culture renew you. Don't let the world transform you. Be strong and steady and faithful. Let's be a remnant. 
You know what remnant means? It comes from the book of Ezra. A remnant are the people that were like, it's done, it's all over, it's not going to work out. No, there were some that rose up that said, no, I still want God. I still desire his word. I still love his way. I still will save my life for his. I will do everything that I can to be concentrated to him. That's a remnant. It's a set-aside people that are serious. When everyone says, I could care less about God, I'll be the one that says, I'm all in for God. That's my prayer for you. But that comes with renewal, obeying Jesus, following his way, being in community, walking and shifting our habits. Are you with me on that? So those who pursue the flesh are those who are led by usually selfish desires. Flesh, which John Mark Comer, a pastor says, defines as, this is what he would define as flesh, our base, primal, animalistic drives for self-gratification. Can I say that again really slowly? Because it's pretty deep. Base, primal, animalistic. So think of like an animal. An animalistic drive for self-gratification. That is his definition of flesh. Especially as it pertains to sensuality and survival. So, all things lustful, all things sexual, all things materialistic to a default, most likely highly emotional, driven for self, more and more things we don't need, mainly want-driven, could all be categorized under the word, quote, flesh, okay? So, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit? So to live according to the Spirit means for Paul to live under, watch this, under the law, which is equated to bondage. So Paul, he, he gets this word law, and then he gets this word um, grace, and he says, I want to show you a difference. In, in the book of Romans, he says this, if you're under the law, then you're under bondage, okay? You, you, you sort of are trapped, and, and the law produces a reminder that you're a sinner, and you're just going to perpetually keep sinning, and there's no really way out unless you just white-knuckle it and do harder, like work harder, okay? So that would be categorized like you're in a jail cell, you're trapped, you're in bondage because of your flesh, because of your sin. In the contrary, which I want this one, when you live according to the Spirit, it means you're under grace, which you live in freedom. So I'm not sure if you knew this, but when you walk in Christ, he says you are free. Use your freedom wisely. You're no longer in bondage. But bondage will eventually kill, steal, and destroy our lives. And I can't stand that. That's terrifying. And I don't want that for you, and I don't want that for me. I don't want that for my children or my children's children. So then what do I have? Well, then let me be a representation of Christ, of love, of grace, of mercy, of invitation. Because that's who Jesus was. So the more we allow God to teach us this powerful shift, the more we will strive for the spirit of God in our life. Uh, worship team, you guys can come on up. So let me explain then, um, as we come to a close, the same way the spirit of God le led Jesus. So the same way the spirit of God led Jesus, he'll, he'll lead you and I. He leads us. Did you know that the Holy Spirit leads you? can lead you, will lead you if you allow him to. The Spirit of God will lead you. The Spirit of God will speak to you. 
even he'll speak to us, where it's not just individual, but it's corporate, it's collective. He will just not only speak to you, he'll speak to us. He will empower you. Did you know that? He gives you a power, a strength, a confidence. The Spirit of God will do that. And he enables you. He convicts you. I don't know if we like that part, but actually I've come in my life, walk with Jesus. I'm so, it is a gift. Thank you, God, for your conviction. You know, the scripture says, I'm not quite sure how to pan this out. When you look at the book of Revelation, that there's going to be a period. We don't know when. I'm not claiming I know exactly when, exactly how, exactly this. If you didn't know this theologically, there are many different ways the end times can happen. Just wanted to put that out there briefly. Maybe one day we'll go on through the book of Revelation, but that's, there's a lot of different ways that this whole thing can pan out. I just know, can I just say this? Jesus is coming back. Did you know that? Jesus is coming back? Well, in the book of Revelation, the Bible does say there will be a time where the Holy Spirit removes himself. What does that look like? Because I just know my life with the Holy Spirit. Could you imagine the Spirit of God lifting himself? Well, now that he's on me and rests on me, he empowers me. I am empowered. So I like walk around. I know this might be a little strange, but let me just give you my process. I will walk around. If I'm terrified to do something, I'll close my eyes and I'll remind myself as if it be a dove, because the, the, the Bible equates to the spirit as like a bird. A dove. I see a dove coming and resting on my back, empowering me to walk in strength. An eagle, because the Bible describes it, the wings like eagles. And so I see an eagle on me whenever I'm afraid, whenever I'm terrified, when I'm praying for my family, when I'm worried, when I have no idea what to do. God, remind me of your goodness, and I have to remind my brain to see an eagle, to see the Spirit empower me. Son, I am with you. I empower you, not you. I strengthen you, not you, because I've tried. Can I just be honest? I've tried to do it in my own strength. It doesn't work. It gets wearisome and tiresome, and I just get angry. Then I make bad decisions. No, the Spirit of God says, I I will give you rest, and not just give you rest. I'm going to empower you to move forward. And he transforms us. The Spirit of God does, not the guru, not the coach, not the pastor, not the church, although we could argue there's like, yes, but more so, no, Jesus, his Spirit transforms me. Do you hear me? I want to be transformed by that God. And then he will develop me. You know he'll develop you? Um, I've noticed, though, the way he does this is both individually, yes, but he, do, he does it through, like, people as well. Do you know that? If I spend enough time with Kevin, right, I need Kevin to have the courage to tell me, hey, man, you're wrong in this. Like, like can we, like, talk about this? Remember I, I like, picked on him last week? <laughs> no, but I need that because I trust him. I, I really trust this man. I need that when I call my father up. Dad, I'm not quite sure about this or that because I know that there's wisdom here. I won't go to someone who doesn't have wisdom that comes from God. 
And so I've learned that I've been shaped, I've been developed. It wasn't necessarily Kevin or my dad. No, it was God through them. So, friend, I need community. Do you know that? I need, like, I don't need you, but like, interpersonally, we work way better together. And we will go much further together than just me by myself. But I need that interpersonal relationship with you. My primary relationship should be with God. For all the singles, I'm going to talk about this on Wednesday real quick. For the singles, the married, the separated. For all of those, your primary relationship should be with Jesus. And then interpersonally, from that relationship should flow your other relationships. All of this is to be transformed. Do you want that? Do you desire that? Do you think about it at all? Do you process it? Well, I just invite you to like go on the journey then, right? There's ups and downs, there's hills, there's valleys, but all of it is so that we can become more like Jesus, transformed in his love, living a life of peace and worry-free, which is really hard, not being anxious, but being driven by the spirit, not driven by the flesh. So, I'll finish with this. Just as much as Jesus needed the empowerment of the Spirit, how much more do you think you and I need it? Right? So as we sort of like shift, um, I think you know, we have one person being baptized, and um, I'm, I'm excited for that. Ron, by the way. It's Ron. Come on, Ron. Let's go. And um, I just want to, you know, challenge you if you're in the room. Um, if you've been with Jesus for any amount of time, maybe even right now you're like, man, I, yeah, I think I want like Jesus, right? I like to say it's like if, if there's a line of faith, it's just crossing over. And then on that other side, there's much conversation with you and Jesus to be had. But there's an invitation, always an invitation. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone opens the door and lets me come in and commune with you and eat with you and live life with you, that's all he desires for your life. He says, I will basically, I'll be with you and you'll be good. Life will still be hard, man, but at least you'll have God with you. It's still hard. I just don't, I, I just need God with me in the hard. <laughs> So if you're here and you're like, one, I want to give my life to Jesus, praise God. You're like, yeah, I want to give my life to Jesus, or maybe you have given your life to Jesus, but you've never got baptized. Can I challenge you to kind of sit with that for a moment as we sort of prepare for that? That if Jesus was baptized, if he's your rabbi, is he your rabbi? Maybe that's a question you got to have with him. But if he's your rabbi, then okay, then I'm going to follow in his way. And Jesus was baptized. Baptism in its most simplistic form because it's very complex, but sometimes we make it really complex. It's very simple. It is dying of the old and coming back up the new. It is saying publicly, I recognize that Jesus, he died, he was buried, he was resurrected, and then he was ascended up into heaven. That is saying, I'm in agreement with that, and on top of that, I want to participate with my God and my rabbi in that. So when you go down, you're dying, friend. You're in a water grave. <laughs> and when you come up, 
Spiritually, yes, but no, I, again, it's my body too. No, I am transformed. I just got to let my mind and my body sometimes catch up to that transformation. You're already free. You're already set free. You're already renewed. The spirit of God, the Bible says you're now a son. You're in his adoption. You're good. You're a child of God. Now let's walk this thing out together. But spiritually, you're renewed. And so that's what baptism is. And so I'm just going to challenge you. You know, if you want to get baptized, beautiful. You can just uh, find Myra in the back. She'll be over there and over here. And just say, I'm ready to get baptized. You'll come up, we'll get baptized. And then the journey starts of discipleship to Jesus. We're not going to let you off the hook there. (laughs) Because this needs to be a decision from your heart. Not anyone else's heart, but yours. Amen? Sound good? All right, will you stand with us? Um, I think Ron's getting ready. If you want to get baptized too, you can just come on up to the, the front here, and, um, and we'll, get, we'll get it going, all right? So we're going to worship, and then we're going to celebrate together um, this moment.